Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHL Live Flyers. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Tonight's show, as it always is, is brought to you by our friends at Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID. Number one, four, six, four, seven, six, six. Like I said, my name's Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me tonight, the one and only JP Zapata. Charlie O'Connor will be live with us in just a bit from the Wells Fargo Center. Flyers beat those bastard senators four to two. Uh, thank God it got a little hairy there at the end. Flyers came out right away. First 20 minutes dominated the Sens, outshot them 19 to four. Uh, a lot of that comes on the power play, eight power play shots on three opportunities, mm -hmm. but they don't score. They're only up one, nothing after the first. And it looked like it might follow a similar script as last night. Tarasenko ties it up in the second, but then Tyson Forster to the rescue, two goals in 45 Forced seconds. Game, man. And he is absolutely on fire right now. Flyers put it away in the third. They added the empty netter. Uh, Cam York, empty net specialist. He is excellent. He's basically the, uh, the Steph Curry of empty <laughs> net goals. He's excellent from distance. Uh, JP, what were your impressions of tonight's game? Wow. Well, I had a bounce back game after yesterday. We were disappointed because of the Flyers missing an opportunity against the Washington Capitals. And then tonight, listen, we knew it wasn't going to be easy. I mean, Ottawa definitely gives us issues. No Brady Kachuk here. That doesn't matter, though. But, Bill, we talk about with the declines of Joel Farabee and Sean Torrey players like that, which, by the way, Joel gets a goal here tonight, which is big. But Tyson Forrester stepping up in a huge way. Those two goals in the second period, absolutely huge. And that's really what, it, what the Flyers definitely needed. Uh, we had a little bit of luck for Felix Sanchez, which we'll talk about in a little Ooh. bit as well. <laughs> but they clamped down. They got a little bit of luck on their end, but they got the win, and that was the most important part here. That was a much-needed win after last night, and 
you're you're happy you were able to get away with this one with a with a dub, bro. That's I I absolutely hate losing to the Senators. I right. like the way that the Flyers played for a majority of the night. Uh, it was a little too close for comfort at the end there. Yeah. Love the first period. You need to come away with more. But Tyson Forster is one of the guys. Now, he's a rookie. I realize it's like, well, if you're going to depend on rookies, you get what you get. Some nights you're going to get an excellent performance, and some nights you're going to left wanting. Tonight, he's one of the dudes that needed to step up. They're just looking for someone to give them some consistent offense, some great, some game-breaking stuff, like Charlie told us last night, mm-hmm. in these close games without Travis Konechny. We all know what TK means to this offense. He's the straw that stirs the drink in all three phases of the game, really. Uh, they've missed him, but they found a way tonight without him, and a big part of it was uh, was Tyson Forster. I want to start with Felix Sandstrom tonight, okay. though. So um, Last year, 20 appearances, 18 starts, three wins in 18 starts, and 880 save percentage. Uh, he's been mostly bad in the uh, in the AHL this year now. Uh, there's, you know, maybe the AHL, maybe the Phantoms not that great. When we, when Charlie and I sp- spoke to Bob Rotruck, though, he kind of said, like, listen, the Phantoms aren't very good because the goaltending isn't very good. Uh, uh, so we really didn't know what to expect after Cal Peterson clears waivers. He's replaced mm-hmm. with Felix Sandstrom. I thought he had an up and down night. Yeah. I thought in the first period, especially now he only sees the four shots, stopped mm-hmm. them all. That's good. Uh, first period, little early in the game. I thought he was like stabbing at the puck a lot. Like just wasn't quite sure. A lot of stuff went wide and he's reacting. Like it's, I, I thought he was a little shaky and his confidence grew as the game went on. And then late in the third, listen, the, uh, the flyers were stuck in their own end. A lot of penalty kill out there. And then the empty net, it's a six on four at one point. They get some luck. They absolutely get some luck with all those posts. But I liked what I saw out of Felix Sandstrom tonight, for the most part. Stop yeah. twenty six to twenty eight. It's hard to ask much more out of a your fourth string goalie for the mo- for basically. I mean, pretty much. This is what we're kind of like asking here: is like, would you rather have Cal Peterson, Felix Sandstrom? I'll take this type of performance. Like I mentioned, he did get a little bit lucky. Twenty four saves on twenty six shots, though, so that was definitely big. But Muggalai, to you, Bill, the Tarasenko first goal, right? When that went in, I'm like, I don't know, Bill. Is this going to be another one of those Cal Petersons of Pittsburgh type of games? Yeah, it really, like... Because that was a bad one. The angle, there's nowhere for him to go. And Charlie tweeted about it, like, on second look. It looks like it caught a stick, and that caused it to deflect and flutter a little bit. Sure. It's also, like... He's on his backhand, moving to the right, and Sealer is taking away the entire middle... There's only one place, like, slide all the way over. Like, unless you completely overslide out of the net, you're stopping that puck. I, I just, there's no reason for that part of the net to be open, but it is what it is. I thought he rebounded pretty well after that. When that went in, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is, like, Sarsgaard, he, I thought, got kind of lucky at different points, too. Right. He's looking one way, and the puck's going the other, like... I don't know how this was basically like a 2-1 game the whole game <laughs> for two goalies who I think kind of stink. Like, there was a lot of luck going on out there tonight, but the Flyers get the better end the, of it. I don't know how confident I am in Field no. Sandstrom going forward, but, I, I mean, the other option is Cal Peterson, who's <laughs> probably worse. 
I can't, I can't, like the amount of times tonight where like a puck hits the top of his head, the side of his head, the top of his left blocker there. Um, the couple times hit the iron in, in the third period as well. They got so many posts oh my in the third God. period. It <laughs> was insane. That thing. It, there was like a 45, 50 second period where they must have hit four posts. They had the one double post on both ends uh, earlier in the game. There was uh, the the Sens thought they scored and right on the doorstep, they put one right in the elbow in the, uh, in the top right of the net. Oh my God. It, uh, there was absolutely some luck in this one, but goalies are going to get lucky sometimes. That's why we say it's basically a uh, pinball out there. Like you don't know what to expect. Goal goaltending is voodoo. Felix Sandstrom played. I thought pretty well tonight and comes away with a 929 save percentage. And you just think about some of the games where Sam Harrison has played some games this year where he looked light years better than what Sam, when what Sandstrom looked tonight, yeah. but just look at the draw. It doesn't have the same sort of save percentage, but I will absolutely take it. Uh, if this is what it's going to be, there's only going to be, I don't know, four or five more opportunities probably for the backup to play. There's uh 20 games. I think this was game 62. So there's 20 left. It's going to be Sam Harrison's net, not barring an injury, uh, in which case, I have no idea what the hell is going to happen. Maybe they just go with six skaters. I don't know. And that's what, <laughs> and that's what you're asked for. You're just asking for someone to take the, the, the net for every third start that Harrison needs to take a seat or like tonight where you're in a back-to-back. But, um, you know, you're, you're going to take this over what Cal Peterson did. Because I think we're, a lot of us are still scarred from that game in Pittsburgh. But I'll, I'll take this performance. And that's, I mean, Cal Peterson I don't think was terrible. Uh, he had a couple of good starts in he there. Did. But when you have a performance that's so bad, like nobody ever criticizes the goaltending. Jack Hughes comes out the other day, a couple of weeks ago and is just like, yeah, man, it's a lot easier when we can get a save. And it's the biggest and the entire hockey world is like, yeah, the devils badly need a goalie. It's been a problem all year. Yep. Like It's out there. They were trying to trade for Jacob Markstrom. Everyone knows that the goaltending has been bad. And Jack Hughes says it. And it's like, oh, my God, he said it like you never criticize the goalies. And when John Tortorello was asked about Cal Peterson going through waivers, he was like, yeah, man, he wasn't good enough. Like, I can't do it to the guys putting him back out there like. Nick Sealer, who's basically putting his life on the line to play, <laughs> blocking every shot under the sun. Yeah, I'm going to tell Nick Sealer, you have to do that. And also the goalie behind you is probably going to stop less pucks than you. Like, that's unfair. So they're going to take the shot with Felix Sandstrom. He was good enough tonight and good enough out of your third, fourth, whatever. Like, you know, he comes into the season. He's the third goalie they keep up for a couple of months and still don't play him. Yeah. It's like, well, we don't want to put him through waivers and lose him for nothing. Also, we don't want to play him. Yeah. You know, tonight's his season debut and he spent the first three months with the team. Yeah. Like, it is what it is. They got what they needed to out of Felix Sandstrom. Bill, you also brought up a really good point about a couple of those Cal Peterson starts where he did look good because I did see kind of the same thing here in the first period for the for the Flyers is that when the Flyers are playing good team defense and are keeping the goalie clean, it's easy for these goalies to do well. And those couple starts where Cal Peterson looked solid, he had some good support in front of him. Tonight in the first period, the centers only had five shots. So, like, if you're going to, if you need to help out your backup goalie, especially a guy like Felix Chancellor or Cal Peterson. So, uh, definitely expect that when you have some backup goaltending as well. Absolutely. And right now, I am excited to tell you about one of our newest partners here at PHLY. It's Olipop. I started telling you about them uh, last night. They're the sponsor of our. Uh, 
our, yeah. our watch party for the our trade deadline at the Chegg at Chicken and the Egg. But I got to tell you about Olipop right now because this is the first functional soda with classic soda taste and the benefits of plant-based fiber, prebiotics, and other botanical ingredients to support gut health. Olipop is a new kind of soda with only about two to five grams of sugar and nine grams of fiber per can. And it is now available in over 30,000 retailers, including Wawa fam. That's right. Get your Olipop at your local Wawa. Olipop's debut in Wawa couldn't be more of a match made in heaven. A delicious, healthy drink meets a convenience store. What better? I tell you all the time, like... Listen, don't take health advice from me, but I've had to, you know, I want to stay alive. Uh, so I've had to like do certain things. Like, I freaking love soda, but I love other stuff more. Soda, you know, it doesn't get you drunk. So like, <laughs> I, I could probably cut that out of my diet. Now with Olipop, I can drink it guilt free. One of my favorite flavors, the original cola. I am always, I am a, I am a, a cola like originalist. Hey. I want Coca-Cola. Really honestly, I'll just say the name. I want original Coca-Cola. Olipop's cola flavor is really freaking good. It is. I was shocked to find out like, oh, this doesn't taste like some, you know, store brand sugarless nonsense. No, it actually tastes like real cola. My wife is a big fan of root beer. I let her try the root beer. She loved it. Uh, I was like, no, I, I, I need to talk about this. Like, I need to know what it tastes like. She's like, ah, well, you have another one, right? So Olipop is a big hit in my house. Listen, almost every American has some sort of relationship with soda from their childhood. And two out of three Americans say they suffer from digestive issues. And 95% of Americans don't get the daily recommended amount of fiber. Olipop is tackling both of this, these issues with a drink that tastes just like soda. Research has linked some of those issues to poor gut health, so taking care of your microbiome might be one solution to your digestive problems. So check out Olipop right now. Get yeah. it at your local Wawa. And if you're going to order it online, I'd go to drinkolipop.com and use code PHLY for $20 off your next order of Olipop. Discount only applies to one-time orders, not to subscription orders. And it is available in almost 30,000 retailers nationwide, including Wawa, hey. as well as Target, Sprouts, Wegmans, ShopRite. And go puff. Get your Olipop fam and use code PHLY20 for 20% off when you order on their website. All right, uh, let's get back to tonight's game. Felix Sandstrom, we tackled. I want to talk about the lineup some. Uh, Ula Lixell is the one who ultimately faces the wrath of John Tortorella after last night's. Uh, yep. Haranguing of both Lixell and Brink. Brink comes back into the lineup. Lixell sits out. Cam Atkinson makes his return. Uh, Brink did play on the fourth line with Sean Couturier and uh, Nick Delorier. Uh, but he was on the power play despite last night's third period benching. He kind of got benched in the third again. Uh, he only got two shifts early in the third period. Did Bobby Brink played about 10 minutes tonight. Uh, three shots on goal, 10, 11 time on ice, no points, but I got to say, I was pretty happy with the way I thought Brink responded to uh, the criticism of last night. The third period benching kind of just came out and did his job, made a couple of plays on those early power plays that could have resulted in goals, but wasn't to be. Yeah. This is just going to be a thing with John Tortorella. If we're not used to it now, it's like Charlie said last night, that's kind of on us, you know, and it's going to be the guys we like sometimes. It's going to be Joel Farabee. 
56 seconds. Okay, you're done, kid. Bobby Brink, they don't like what they saw out of him last night. Him and Ula Lixell. So Lixell sits. Cam Atkinson comes back in. Brink plays fourth line minutes. It is what it is. But, man, I, I just dig Bobby Brink. I want to see more of him. But I like the way he responded tonight. Yeah, especially, like, offensively, you have been getting something from him since coming back from Lehigh Valley. It was... It was the issues last night defensively and the reason why he got sad. So, honestly, I was a little bit surprised he did get into the lineup here tonight, but I was happy to see him in that lineup because, again, he does bring some offensive production that you definitely do need. But, no, I mean, in general, it's good to see him on that. I do like him on that line with Katori, obviously. Nick Delore is Nick Delore at this point, but I, I am happy that Bobby Brink was still in the lineup here today. That's, I'm interested. I'm I'm really looking forward to asking Charlie about uh, what he saw out of Sean Couturier tonight because I think last night he wasn't as bad as people were saying. I thought once he got bumped up into the top nine, he had a couple of chances, and tonight I thought he made some plays. Uh, not the ice time's weird because tonight because of. All the special teams time there was. I mean, the Flyers get three penalty, uh, three power plays in just the first. There's a ton of penalty minutes in tonight's game. A lot of power plays both ways. So it's not like he played fourth line minutes. He ended up with, uh, Katori ended up with 14.43 tonight. Uh, so kind of more third line minutes. But Cam Atkinson returns. One shot on goal, no points. Um, he was one of only two forwards. It was him and Lawton who didn't have a shot on goal in the first period. I mean, uh, Cam Atkinson, he is, he's the odd man out. He is the Flyers 13th forward right now. Uh, I re- he's probably better than like Nick Delorier, but we know Delorier plays a role. Uh, so he'll be out there, but man, he just, I didn't notice him at all. I did uh, There was like one time I think I saw him tonight where he, uh, I think it was him who had the opportunity to take a loose puck to the net and uh, decided to pass back and nothing comes of it. Like, I think that was really his only opportunity of the night. Um, and he put on a good line too, Bill. Yeah, it's going to be a tough conversation. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever happens with Cam Atkinson after the season, I'm hoping to see as little of him as possible the rest of the way. Maybe I'm going to ask Charlie. Maybe we get a little Den- Denver Barky action late in the season. We'll see. Wow. Uh, but now it's uh, it's time to talk about Tyson Forrester. This dude, man, uh, he scores his 15th and 16th goals of the season tonight. And just like that, we're talking about where he is. We'll start with the just team scoring race. Okay. Uh, Farabee got his 18th tonight. Okay. Tippett's on 22. TK is stuck on 27 while he's out of the lineup. I mean, with the way he's going and the way Farabee isn't going, he gets one tonight, but it's his first time in 15 games. He might end up like second or third on this team in goal scoring after the problem with his play in the first two thirds of the year being like, yeah, he's just not putting the puck in the net. He's playing all right, but just puck isn't going in. He said at intermission tonight, well, starting to go in. I think I'm playing the same. He is a ton of fun to watch. The ceiling for him is very, very high. And what's dangerous right now, Bill, is that the dude's got confidence. I mean, you saw was it the the third goal or the second goal? I'm sorry, he scored, and he's put he's bringing the tongue out like he looks like he's having fun and, and scoring goals on people. I mean, that's the recipe for success there. But I mean, like I, I like part of me like really wants to get excited, but the other part of me, who's a Philly sports fan, is like, yo, tame it down. Let's see some little see a little more from Tyson Forrester. But no, this is really cool to see. And I think what gets us really giddy is where he's at with the rest of the rookies in the league right now as far as scoring. Because obviously we all know right now in the league, the number one overall pick this past year's draft is pretty damn good. And our boy, 
Is it goal behind, behind him? him. There's uh, 12 minutes left in Blackhawks Blue Jackets. Keep an eye out there. Uh, Blackhawks are down 4-2, and Bedard has not scored. I'm looking for the Wild. That game is over. I do not think Marco Rossi scored. Uh, I'm just trying to. <laughs> I love like it, yeah, Marco Rossi. We're no keep an goals eye on this tonight, forever, man. And. Columbus is rookie, who I believe the Flyers are now, who Forster is now tied with, trying to. ESPN is much easier to navigate. I will say that. Where did uh, oh, it's the same game. Uh, let's just say he's tied for second right now. Uh, that's what it looks like. If these things update, uh, we'll let you know, like on Monday show or whatever. But that's what it looks like right now. It's uh, Connor Bedard and Marco Rossi both have 17 goals as rookies, and Dmitry Veronikov in Minnesota or no, in Columbus. Excuse me, he's in Columbus. Uh, he has 16 goals. That's how many Tyson Forster has now. With the way he's going, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He catches and surpasses. Uh, he catches and surpasses Connor Bedard. Now that said, Bedard is leading all rookies in points by pretty decent amount, and his per game numbers based on the amount of time he missed. He's going to run away with the Calder Trophy. Something I was interested to look up, though. Uh, we know uh, Connor Bedard playing the whole season at eighteen. Uh, he doesn't turn nineteen until like July. He's a very, very young man. Mm -hmm. Marco Rossi, though, turned 22 in September. Voronkov turned 23 in September. Of the league's leading goal-scoring rookies, Forster's actually the second youngest out of all of them. I thought he was going to be, because I looked up some Flyers mm -hmm. uh, rookie scoring. Like Matt Reed had the 24 goals in 2011-12, but he was like a college senior who gradually, like he went all the way through college and gradually right. he was like a 24, 25-year-old rookie. I thought maybe uh, Forster at 22 was like, oh, yeah, he's uh, actually, no, he turned 22 in January. He's the youngest of the three 22-year-old rookies at the top there. So he's killing it right now. For real, man. And this, uh, he's got a chance to be one of the Flyers' leading rookie scorers since the lockout. Now, like, Eric Lindros had 40 goals as a rookie. Michael Renberg had, like, 38. There's a ton of dudes who scored a lot as rookies. But, like, in the modern era, since 05, 06, mm -hmm. since hockey became what it is now, Matt Reed... In uh, 2011, 12, 24 goals. Jeff Carter, 23 and 0506. Umberger, 20 and 0506. Limblom and Ghost both had 17 in their rookie seasons. JVR had 15 and 0910. Forster's already right there with 16. Like he has a chance to at least get to 20 with RJ Umberger. That's the crazy. record since 0506 is Matt Reed. He's right there, man. Like if he stays hot, he could score 24, 25 goals. Yeah, no, and and let's let's reiterate the importance of this because we are in that rebuild and we do have some veteran players. But Bill, like Tyson Forster playing this is great, but like we've had a lot of our young players playing really well. Like you look at Owen Tippett, Morgan Frost turning it around, but having Forster playing like this at this moment definitely it, it really brings a smile to everyone's face. But the penalty shot to me tonight was a big indicator of Tyson Forster where he's at because Pinto gets the hook on him right. And then he comes right back around on that penalty shot and then gets it right past Sogard. And I thought right there, dude, that, that's that's where that confidence shows right there. No, I thought that was huge. And it's, you know, he already has the one goal. It was 45 seconds before that. It's right at the end of the second period. Yeah. The Flyers had not played great for the majority of that second period. They kind of turned it on there in the final, I don't know, six, seven minutes of the period. They get the first goal from uh, Forster. 
And then he goes a different direction. He starts dragging the puck over to the left, and he comes back five hole. Nice. I thought that was tremendous to score in a couple of different ways uh, in you know the span of less than a minute. Like that's that shows a lot of confidence. It shows a lot of awareness, and that's kind of just what we've loved about Forster all year. Now he's applying it to his offensive game, and I know a lot of people out there are trying to make the comparisons to Mark Stone because of the two way play. <laughs> Listen, he's got a long way to go, but you're seeing a lot of it. It's just very exciting to see what he is becoming right now in the season. As the games are getting more important, all of a sudden this rookie, listen, Owen Tippett playing great. That's all well. Like Forster is the first of these young guys who are ours. We saw him drafted. Now he's breaking out uh, to become close to a 20 goal scorer. Like that's very, very important for this thing. I know they still need a considerable amount of high-end talent. But you just look at the dudes who suddenly are kind of trending to, they could play in a top six, and it's Forster, it's Tippett, it's Farabee. Hell we yeah. know about TK. Like, all right, man, I just named four wingers. That's it. That's the amount of wingers that play in a top six. Like, yes, you still need centers. You need centers very badly. But they're starting to maybe check some of these boxes, and it bodes well for them going forward. I know everyone's going to talk about the goals of Forster tonight, but like, let's not elude the fact that how many times have we see Forster with the Flyers losing the puck in the offensive zone, and he's out there getting the puck back, keeping it in the zone. And that's definitely something huge to watch as well from a young player like that. I want to, uh, I mentioned just a second ago during the Olipop read, the, uh, the live show that we're doing at Chicken or the Egg in Marlton, yeah. New Jersey for the trade deadline. It's less than a week away now. It's Friday, March 8th, this coming Friday at the Chegg. That's right, the Chicken or the Egg in Marlton. It is going to be a two-hour show on Friday from 2 to 4 p.m. covering any and everything trade deadline. And I'm just, I've been looking into a little bit of this uh, of this Chicken or the Egg, and i got to tell you, the place looks pretty damn cool. Uh, the, the Chicken Wings look phenomenal you and me a chicken wing bill <laughs> bu- buffalo wings are my all-time favorite food that's, that's what i eat if, if given the choice of anything wings are probably number one i am looking forward to trying cheggs uh, i'm really really looking forward to getting out and doing a live show with everybody the trade deadline is going to be uh it's going to be eventful one way or another. We're starting to see some things heating up uh, the, uh during the broadcast tonight they're saying the whole team is kind of not on edge, but they feel it. They feel For sure. that something is looming, that some of their buddies are going to be taken away from them, whether it's Sean Walker, Nick Sealer, Scott Lawton. They know someone's going. Yeah. Uh, maybe multiple someones. Mm-hmm. We'll see who gets to replace those guys. Uh, but it's it's something that we've been basically looking forward to all season because yeah. it's what this season was about. As much as this playoff race is important to get these guys experience in these uh, meaningful games, whether they make the playoffs or not, we'll see. But playing in meaningful games and doing what they're doing right now is huge. But the trade deadline is what this entire season has been about. And we're going to get to hang out with all of you at the Chicken or the Egg in Marlton next Friday from 2 to 4. It's going to be a great time. Come have a couple drinks with me. We'll probably need them uh, after Danny Briere. I don't know, like gives Nick Sealer four million bucks for three years or whatever it is <laughs> i will say though nick sealer tonight if if a team out there is looking for a defenseman uh who is just going to like i said i joked around earlier he's putting his life on the line out there he really freaking is i mean four blocks on basically that one penalty kill uh and 
five for the game. Nick Sealer, for a cheap uh, depth defenseman, you can't do much better than him. I mean, dude, talk about using every which body part to block shots. My man, using his ass to block a shot here tonight, man. This man, every single night, is coming away with the most bruises out of anyone in the NHL. And it's, it's it, I mean, dude, I don't I don't know about that contract extension he wants, but, I mean, the man deserves some type of extension for Listen, sure. The, the dude is, he's a badass, absolutely. And I just saw the super chat from hey. Corey. Uh, do you guys prefer, to say, breaded or sauced wings? I need the breading all day. I, give me. See, this is the one of, the, like, the reasons I need Olipop, because I'm incapable of making, like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, just give me naked wings. Like, it's the same thing, just without the fried skin. No, I want the skin. Give obviously, me the breaded. Obviously, the breaded wings are fantastic, but, but like, you know me, I, mean? like, I, I have to try to keep my, keep this figure in check as much <laughs> as I can. So I do like to, like, smoke or or, bro, or broil the, the wing and then throw the sauce. I like a little crisp from the, from the burn a little bit. So yeah. I do like that. And luckily, at the chicken or the egg, you can get them breaded. You can get them naked there you either go. way. So however you prefer. Thanks for that, Corey. You're helping out with the read. Um, yeah, no, no. <laughs> Nick Sealer, like, I get why you want to reward a dude. It's like Scott Lawton a few years ago when it was coming down to the trade deadline and it was, we're either going to resign you or trade you. And he really wanted to stay. He resigns. I feel that with Nick Sealer. Like, you want to reward a guy for that sort of effort talking about building a culture like this dude is going to be just a bruise like you're not he's just going to be black and blue all over tomorrow uh i i get it but like man i hope someone gives him five million bucks and that's someone not the philadelphia flyers there's 31 other teams they can give him that money there's other players that'll take a bruise here and there no you i mean cam york had seven blocks tonight like let us not forget the effort of cam york i made the joke earlier uh, that he's awesome on the empty nets. He's the Steph Curry of empty net goals. He just pulls up from anywhere and he drains them. But seven blocks. Uh, and now uh, the Steph Curry of, of uh, Philadelphia hockey beat reporters. <laughs> it is Philly's number one hockey beat reporter. Charlie O'Connor joining us live from the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Chuck, I don't even really know where I want to start tonight. Let's start with Tyson Forster. Uh, scores okay. the two big goals 45 seconds apart. Uh, just exciting on the fifth out of five penalty shots the Flyers have scored now this year. What do you think of Tyson Forster? And, man, what is this dude ceiling? Because he is on fire right now. He's getting me excited. Well, I think the, the big thing for me with Tyson Forrester in this game, and it goes back to something that John Jordarella told us after last night's game, because I was down in D.C., obviously, for that one. And he basically said that the big thing they're lacking right now is the offensive guys on the team. And I took that to mean the established offensive guys. You know, Sean Couturier, Joel Farabee, who does get a goal tonight. Travis Konechny is obviously not in the lineup. But... You know, you've got Owen Tippett, who's been not as productive as he's been in the past this season, that Tortorella wanted more from those guys. He wanted one of those guys last night to step up and basically take over a shift, take over five minutes and push the Flyers into a point where they could take back control of the game that they lost control of in the second and third periods. Tonight, I thought the same thing kind of happened. This was following the same script as last night, where the first period, the Flyers play well. You know, they, they only came out of it with a one nothing lead versus a 2 nothing lead like they did on Friday. 
but they control the play. 19 to 4, I believe, were the were the shots on goal in favor of the Flyers. And then the second period hits, and Ottawa takes takes back control. They tie the game, and Ottawa's out playing the Flyers in the second period. They needed someone to step up and to just deliver that shift, those two shifts, those three shifts, to take back control of the game. If you remember, Forrester actually, this is about two or three minutes before he scores the first goal, um, because there's a uh, there's a four-on-four in between. But right before the four-on-four, Forrester rings one off the post. And you're like, oh, man, Forrester, you know, so close to, to nail it. I remember thinking, like, classic example of in, in three years, Tyson Forrester probably finishes that shot because he, he has a better hand on how to finish chances at the NHL level. Well, that was just the start because then the four-on-four ends. Forrester gets back on the ice, rips one off a faceoff. Flyers take the lead again. Then he has a great defensive play, turns it into a breakaway, draws the penalty shot, scores again. And suddenly, I mean, I know Ottawa comes back and they scores one. They score one near the end with uh, with a two man advantage because they pull the goalie. But that won the game right there. That one minute stretch by Tyson Forrester won the game. That's what they didn't. They didn't have on Friday. They didn't have anyone stand up and say, we ain't losing this game. I did not expect Tyson Forrester to be the guy who was going to stand up and say, we ain't losing this game. I'm looking more towards the, you know, the Owen Tippets, the Joel Farabies, the, the Sean Couturier's. I was not expecting it to be Tyson Forrester, but it was. And you got to give the kid a shitload of credit for being the guy who stood up and made sure they weren't going to lose what was a pretty big game. It, I'm really impressed with what we're seeing out of Tyson Forster right now. I don't know how anyone couldn't be. And if you look at that rookie scoring race, Charlie, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He catches and passes Marco Rossi and Connor Bedard, uh, at least in the goal scoring. But we'll see how that goes as the season uh, goes on. Let's talk about Felix Sandstrom. Um, I just want to know your impressions of his NHL debut this season. Uh, I thought in the first period he looked a little shaky. Maybe he was stabbing at the puck some. Wasn't quite sure where his net was, but he held it together. Confidence grew as the game went on. Got a little lucky at the end. What did you see? My primary impression of Felix Sandstrom is that he looks a lot better than Cal Peterson. And I know the bar is low, but you know what? When Cal Peterson is your primary competition for the backup job, <laughs> you still have to exceed that bar. And he very much cleared it. Now, yes, did he get a bit lucky? He had quite a few shots go off post. Sure. Posts are part of the equipment, though. It, some of it is is the fact that you're in good position and you have, you're given the shooters nothing to shoot at except the post. Now, a couple of them maybe weren't quite that way where it was more like Jacob Chikrin had an open net and just hit it off post. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you get lucky. It's hockey. I thought Sandstrom played pretty well. I thought he made some pretty some good saves. It wasn't a dominant performance by any means. But I thought Sandstrom was fine. And the way I look at it is anybody you would get at this stage of the season, because we talked about the possibility of maybe them tossing a fifth-round pick to somebody at a deadline to get a backup goalie who is an NHL-caliber backup. Anybody you get for that price at this point of the year isn't going to be that good either. All they need is a backup goalie behind Sam Erson to be halfway decent. Like, just don't lose you the game. Don't do what Cal Peterson did on Sunday. And Felix Sandstrom, to me, tonight, he very much cleared that bar of looking good enough. Is he a great goalie? No, probably not, because if he was a great goalie, he wouldn't have been buried down in the minors this entire year. They would have thought, hey, he's the guy. He's He should be part of this. I, he's not a great goalie, but he doesn't have to be a great goalie. He just has to be an, a decent goalie. 
tonight he was a decent goalie, and that's really all they needed to win. That and a lot of goalposts. Hey, Charlie, JP over here. Uh, another key storyline I wanted to ask you about, see if Torts mentioned anything in the presser as well. Uh, five penalties uh, for the Flyers, the um, the Senators with five power play opportunities. Did Torts mention anything about that in the presser today? Nah, he didn't bring it up. It didn't seem like something he was too frustrated about. I will say that a few of those penalties were kind of light. Uh, that might play into why Torts didn't complain about it because – like a few of them didn't seem to me to be very good penalties from the officials. So I don't know why you would get angry at your team when the official makes a bad call against your team. Like that happens. It's hockey. There's no reason for him to go out and destroy the officials when the Flyers won the game. But I suspect that played into why he wasn't too mad about it because it wasn't as if like I didn't see too many lazy, egregious, awful penalties in this game. Did they take take too many penalties? Yeah, they took too many penalties. Ideally, you're not taking a uh, you know a double minor with uh, you know with a bunch of time left in the third period and giving the other team a chance to win uh, or a chance to to come back and get themselves back into a game they were down by uh, by two at the time. That's not great, but none of the penalties, at least as I remember them, were the kind of penalties where you're just like, oh my god, that was obscenely stupid. It's hockey. Sometimes you're going to make mistakes, and sometimes the officials are going to call penalties that don't really look like penalties. It happens. It did It did lead to an interesting exchange between Lotz and Drew, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I love that they took ah, a couple buddies. shots at Drew tonight. <laughs> uh, Charlie, um, I want to ask about Bobby Brink. Uh, stays in the lineup after last night's third period benching. Kind of got benched in the third again tonight. Only two shifts in the third period, but uh, three shots on goal, a little over 10 minutes time on ice. I thought he responded pretty well. I liked what I saw out of him when he was out there. He wasn't out there that much. What did you make of Bobby Brink after last night's haranguing from, uh, from John Tortorella? Yeah, he was not happy with him last night. I, I thought Brink was okay. He was good on the power play. I thought he made some things happen. Obviously, the Flyers don't score. Shocking. They didn't score on the power play. I'm blown away. But I thought he did some things. Uh, he's a creative player. He's going to make some plays. Now, he was 11th on the team in forwards in ice time. So it's not like Tortorella was, you know, overloading him with usage after that game. But I don't think that's that shocking. The big difference from this game versus last game was that with Cam Atkinson back in the lineup, Brink was dropped down to the fourth line. However, the fourth line also has the team's presumptive <laughs> number one center on it. So is it really a fourth line? Kind of? A little? I don't know. The Flyers team, as usual, is crazy because it's the Flyers. I thought Brink was fine. He didn't do anything that made me jump out of my chair and say, holy shit, he's given towards the, the FU like Couturier did earlier in February. But he also didn't do anything that, that made me you know, facepalm and say, oh, God, he's going to get scratched now. He, he did okay. He's I'm glad he played. He didn't make anything terribly good happen. He didn't make anything terribly bad happen. Should keep him in the lineup. Another addition to the lineup tonight was Cam Atkinson. 12-24 time on ice with one shot. Not not that great again for Cam Atkinson, Charlie. Uh, did he play? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I. but again, like it, it, his game was I didn't notice him in a bad way. I just didn't notice him. If you would have, if you would have told me that he got benched after the first period, I'd have been like, okay, like maybe because I didn't notice him very much in this game. Look, 
I would like nothing more than for Cam Atkinson to get back to what he was during that stretch where it seemed like he was figuring it out. I just I just don't know if it's going to happen. I mean, he's 34 going on 35. He missed all of last season. This might just be who he is. And they're going to give him opportunities. They're going to hope that he can get going in some way or another. But in the end, this is a team battling for a playoff spot. And they can't force feed someone minutes hoping that they get it together. If Atkinson gets it together, great. If he doesn't, there's guys like Tyson Forrester ready to take his minutes and ready to run with them. Charlie, the uh, the captain watch continues. Sean Couturier, like you said, he's in he's on that quote unquote fourth line tonight. I mean, if you're playing with Delorier, it's the fourth line, but he's also out there with Brink. I didn't think Coots looked that bad last night when he got bumped up into the top Neither. nine. He had a few chances. Neither did I. And uh, what, what did you see out of him tonight? I thought he's continuing to maybe build back a little bit. Yeah, I think he's making progress, at least to my eyes. He he seems he seems like he's skating better. Now, that said, by the numbers, he was really bad by advanced metrics. Like we're talking about like sub 10 percent expected goals for it, five on five. By the same token, when you're spending a lot of your minutes with Nick Delorier, doesn't really help. But I thought by the eye test, he was skating better than he has recently. Look, the hope is, is that over these next few games, he can pull his way out of it because my opinion with Couture, and I put this in my column that came out, I believe, on Friday, is that during the middle part of March, when every single game is against a really good Eastern Conference team, they're going to need Sean Couture to be some percentage of what he is at his best. Maybe not 100, but they're going to need him probably to be above 85 or 90 because otherwise they ain't going to beat a lot of the teams they're about to face. So he, he's going to get the next game against St. Louis, another team that isn't exactly a uh, you know a world beater. Maybe he can build some momentum because then they go on this trip to uh, to Florida and they play against two really good teams. Obviously, they beat uh, they beat Tampa uh, this week, but like that was the weirdest game ever. The lights were half on. Now they will be going into Amelie Arena, a really tough place to play. Uh, and then, they'll of course, be playing against the Florida Panthers, who very well might be the best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they're going to need Sean Couturier, if not playing his best, playing much better hockey than he has been. Is he making progress? I think he's making some. He needs to make more. He needs to make more if the Flyers are going to survive this March stretch, in my opinion. Charlie, one more for me. This, is, this one's going to be fun here. So the most important question of the night, it was obviously a theme night. We had superhero night at the Wells Fargo Center. So, Charlie, what's your favorite superhero? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I was I was never like a huge superhero person. Okay. Um, there was a there was a run when I was a little kid when I really liked Green Lantern for DC. Um, in in the Marvel movies, my favorite character by far is Captain America. I mean, that's like not even close. I think he is by far the most the, the most interesting and most compelling, and his movies are the best. Um, but I'm not I've never been like a huge superhero guy. Like Batman is a classic, right. and obviously there's a lot you can do with Batman because he doesn't have powers, so you could throw him in a lot of different situations, and that makes him more fun. Plus, he's dark and edgy, and that's cool. Um, I don't know. I don't really have like a you know a an obvious favorite superhero. I have a bunch I like. We appreciate the analysis. That's excellent. Charlie, I just have a couple of things I want to uh, clean up. 
as we uh, let you go. Someone said you're at a, a children's bowling alley birthday party is what it sounds like. <laughs> but your, your audio is fine. It's just very funny that there's clearly something going on. Um, any surprise? Yeah, I, th I, th I, think it's a, uh, I think it's a men's league game. It looks like yeah. a men's league game. Nice. I've, I've like, done it. There's I've like done three it. people on each bench, which tells me it's a men's league game. <laughs> <laughs> any, uh, any surprise we didn't see Ronnie Adder tonight in the back-to-back? I, I just, I mean, look, I would play Adder. I would have played Adder in this game. I'm not really sure what Mark Stahl is bringing, aside from the fact that, like, you know he's not going to make some egregious coverage error. But the egregious error he might make is just, you know, getting beat because he's slow and nowhere near as good as he once was. I probably would have played Adder in this game. I just think it comes down to trust. These are big games. My theory, and we will see if this plays out over the next week, is that they called up Adder to kind of get him acclimated to being around the guys so that if and when, you know, one of Sean Walker or Nick Sealer or both get traded before the deadline or at the deadline they can more seamlessly slide added in. I don't know why else you would call him up just to sit around and not play unless you have designs on him playing at some point in the relatively near future. That to me is probably what's going on, but I don't know. I guess we're going to have to see how the rest of this week plays out with the deadline and who gets moved, who doesn't get moved. And maybe if nobody gets moved, they sat at her back down and then you'll know that that's what it was. It was, Hey, he's here in case there's a trade. If no one gets moved, Charlie, the last thing I'm going to be thinking about is Ronnie Adderd. Um, <laughs> can you tell us anything about the report of Denver Barkey uh, potentially signing his ELC tomorrow? And if it's the case, do you think we could see him in the NHL at all, maybe after the deadline this year? No. There is zero chance okay. that Denver Barkey is going to be in the NHL. Signing him to an ELC, I, this is not something I've chased down because it's just not that important. Like, it's important to get him signed to an entry-level contract because he's a quality prospect. But there is negative 20% chance that Denver Barkey <laughs> plays in an NHL game this season. It's not going to happen. He's not physically ready. Like, he, the kid looks like he's 12. He's not going to play. <laughs> What's good about this is that I thought it was kind of odd that he hadn't yet been signed to an ELC. Now, I spoke with Denver Barkey on the phone about a month and a half ago, and he sounded like someone who is very excited about being a flyer and about joining the organization. So I was not worried that this was Cutter Gautier part two. So my only thought was, okay, the reason why he doesn't have an ELC yet is because the Flyers haven't yet deemed him worthy of having an ELC. Look at what he's doing this year. He's very obviously worthy of having an ELC. So I'm glad that he's going to probably get one. Like I have no reason to believe that this report is wrong. It makes sense. He should be signed. He's a really good prospect. But no, he is not ready to be an NHLer. He is... I do not think there is almost any chance he makes the team out of camp next year, even with an entry-level contract. He's probably going back to London for another season, and then we'll see what happens. I'm really excited about Denver Barkey as a prospect, but no. No, Denver Barkey is not going to be the uh, the reinforcements they get down the stretch. There's no chance. All right, just wanted to make sure we put it out there for the people, Charlie. Now, without any further ado, it's time for Charlie O'Connor's three stars and feel free to do to pick who is ever doing all the scoring in this men's league game it's going wild out there uh, well it's a men's league game there's going to be a lot of goals the goaltending probably isn't that good not gonna lie i mean i mean i, I know what i'm not even going to make a cal peterson joke never mind uh, <laughs> I mean, let's go to star anyway. number three 
Star number three. Uh, I will go with uh, I'll go with Felix Sandstrom. Actually, you know what? This was a tough spot for him to come in. Obviously, he hasn't played in the NHL all season. He's got the pressure of knowing that this is a big opportunity for him. Hell, it could be his last opportunity, seriously, to be a long-term NHL goalie because if he doesn't carve his path out as a backup goalie now my guess is that in the offseason the flyers will go out and they will trade for or sign a established nhl backup if felix Sandstrom delivers four or five good starts the rest of the way maybe he gives them pause and maybe they think hey this kid maybe could be a decent backup i thought he was fine i don't think he was amazing he made some tough saves he got some some help from the post but i thought he did his job he did his job in a game and he played well at the end of the game he played well. Obviously, he gives up that one goal to Shabbat, but I don't know if anybody was stopping that one. He played well. He played well enough to win. And when you're when you saw what a bad backup can do for a team earlier this week against Pittsburgh, it was nice to see the Flyers get good backup goaltending for Felix Sandstrom. So for that reason, I'll give him my third star. Who is star number two? Start number two, I'll go with Joel Farabee. I, I liked the way he came out in this game. He obviously hasn't scored in a while. I think uh, someone tweeted out that on 97.5, he apparently made a comment where, like, this will get all the people on Twitter to shut up. Joel, it will never get all the people on Twitter to shut up. So, like, I, I appreciate the sentiment, but they will never log off. Do not think that one goal will get them to log off. They never will. However... Love that he got back on the score sheet. I don't think he's been playing terribly over this last stretch. He's just not scoring. And the Flyers need him to score. They need guys like him, a Katuri, and Tippett to score, especially when the schedule gets tougher starting next week. I love seeing him back on the score sheet. Nice goal for him. Hopefully this gets him back going. So he is my star number two. And I can't imagine uh, it would be anyone else, but let's see who you have at star number one. Yeah, it's Tyson Forrester. He he took over this game at the uh, at the end of the second period. The Flyers needed someone to do it. I did not expect Tyson Forrester to be the one who did it, but he did it. And now he has nine goals in his last nine games, I believe. Pretty freaking cool, especially given the fact that he had an injury in between. I love the fact that he was able to kind of pick right back up where he left off. I was afraid that that was going to sort of halt his momentum and halt whatever he was figuring out at the time. Instead... He just kept on scoring the minute he came back. So it's been cool to watch Tyson Forrester. It looks like he's kind of on the path to scoring 20 goals as a rookie. That's pretty neat. And I do think with him, it's kind of like a sky's the limit type of thing. He's an exciting guy. Charlie, Flyers rookies with 20 goals since the lockout. Matt Reed, Jeff Carter, RJ Umberger. Pretty good, pretty good company right there if Tyson Forster can get there. Before we let you go, I have to send a pop quiz your way because I had to look this up. It's almost two okay. years since the Giroux trade. Who were the two players that went to the Panthers with Claude Giroux? Oh, it was, well, it was German Rubsoff was one. Um, was it Connor Bunneman? Connor Bunneman. That's the one wow. I had to look up. Yes. yes. You nailed it, Charlie. And that's what makes you <laughs> that's good. That's what makes you Philly's number one hockey beat reporter. I will talk to you on Monday, my friend. Thanks, Charlie. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Take that's it good. easy, Chuck. That was Charlie O'Connor and his hit there. It was brought to you by our friends at Bagels and Company. 
Man, if you want the absolute best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly love, you got to go to Bagels & Co. First thing you got to know about Bagels & Company, huge bagels, the biggest bagels in Philly, and a huge variety of them, usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. Next thing you got to know, well, when you have that many different kinds of bagels, you need a ton of cream cheeses, 30 different flavors of cream cheese to choose from. That's absolutely huge from anything from plain cream cheese to maybe, maybe you want a, uh, a theme for sports. They have 76ers, Phillies. They've done all sorts of things there. And maybe the most important thing about Bagels & Co., they're an affordable brand. You get a lot of food for cheap. And in today's you know world of inflation and everything costing like 11 bucks. Yeah, you know, just like oh yeah, dollars was not even a dollar. It's gonna be fifteen dollars. Like really, I just stepped out of my house. I haven't gone anywhere yet. Yeah, man, this toll booth. Well, Bagels and Company <laughs> is an affordable brand. You get a lot of food for cheap. So for the best Brooklyn style bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com/store-locator to find the closest Bagels and Company near you. Uh, we are pretty soon to wrapping up, but one thing I noticed tonight, it kind of threw me right away. Flyers came out wearing their uh, stadium series jerseys tonight, wearing the white at home. I remember a lot of people after the lockout and the league flipped and said, you're going to wear your color jerseys at home and you're white on the road. A lot of people didn't like that. And we're like, you know, traditionally you wear the white at home. And that's just the way it is. I didn't care. I always thought like, well, the cooler jersey is the color one. So wear it in front of your home fans. I missed the white. I kind of liked seeing it out there tonight. I was really yeah. confused when the game started. I was right. like, wait, what? the team in black is not what I, I was like, wait, why isn't Charlie here? If they're in Ottawa, what is going on? And then I put it all together. I was like, okay, everything's fine. Relax. I kind of liked wearing the white at home and those jerseys are very cool. They, they are. Do you think that maybe the, the Jersey sales didn't go as plants? Maybe they're like, well, let's just throw them out here. Maybe it'll play good. Maybe it'll entice some people to stop by the shop and pick one up. I think they always try to get like one home game where they wear them because okay. they wear them like, you know, the That's Flyers, true. they've done a ton of the outdoor games. Most of them they haven't hosted. And I think they've always at least once worn the uh, worn the alternate like on a weekend at home or something. But Makes sense. it's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> fanatics taking a lot of heat right now probably need to boost those sales a little bit so i could see that being the motivation will we but see them again later this year? will we uh they i mean they play a ton of weekend games that's usually when they go with their alternates and i will take these over the black jerseys they have any day so i, I hope so i'm all for that absolutely. absolutely uh what else do we have to get to i think that's you know what? Let's let's talk about Coors Light for a second. I've been drinking a Coors, Coors. Light tonight, and I am enjoying it. Listen, this team—they <laughs> drive us nuts, man. <laughs> We've been doing this a long time, Charlie and I. JP, not as long as us, but it, you'll learn quickly that it, they're going to piss you off. <laughs> You're going to get fired up, and that's why sometimes we all need to chill. And there's no better way to chill than with an ice-cold Coors Light. So you're, whether you're freaking out about the goaltenders, injuries, the draft lottery, the trade deadline, you need to find the Blue Mountains in your fridge and enjoy a beer as cold as the Rockies because when everything surrounding your favorite hockey team is on fire, like Tyson Forster, I don't want him to chill, but let's reward him with a Coors Light. You know, a couple of, couple of goals, 
Let's get him some Coors Light. When everything surrounding your favorite hockey team is on fire, sometimes you just got to chill. When you choose to rise above, above it all, choose chill. Choose Coors Light. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y hockey. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Uh, do you have anything else tonight? I want to ask you the same question I asked Charlie. What is your favorite superhero, Mr. Bill? Oh, man. What is my favorite superhero? Um, I think the best superhero movies are the Spider-Man, uh, Tobey Maguire movies. They were good. Um, I mean, the best one ever is probably The Dark Knight. Batman Begins is real oh, good. Man. But I thought The Dark Knight Returns was so bad, it kicks it out of that company for me. Um my favorite superhero. Yeah, I'll say Spider-Man. I'll Spider-Man? say because it's so like, yeah, it's it's such an easy, good story. Like young nerd becomes awesome <laughs> superhero, has to hide his identity, like wants the girlfriend, has to hide the girl. I, I, I'll go with I was never a big comic book guy. I, do the Ninja Turtles count? Dude, I guess I would have yeah. to say Ninja Turtle. Like that's the thing I've probably seen the most. They were awesome. Too. I hadn't. I don't really consider them like superheroes. I don't know why they are. Like they're freaking they're New they're York. teenage <laughs> mutant ninja turtles. Like everything about them is super. So I guess I'd yeah. I'm gonna change my answer to I Ninja Turtles. I do love turtles. the '90s live action movies. No, oh, the '90s live actions. Are, the new one is freaking great. Uh, okay. The the one that the Seth Rogen one that just came out like over the summer. I'm about to watch that. Uh, I actually. <laughs> I actually might have had a few too many Coors Lights recently and found myself uh, at a Target and bought the Blu-ray. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that's, I was like, woke up the next morning and with the title screen on. It's like, what the fuck did I do? I really buy a Blu-ray? It's 2024. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Ninja Turtles. Uh, this show is it's over. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging good. out. If you haven't already, you gotta hit that subscribe button. Follow us right here on YouTube. Set your reminders. Never miss a live show. PHLY Flyers wherever you get your podcasts at PHLY underscore Flyers on Twitter. Uh, make sure you get your tickets for the takeover on. Yeah. March 14th, Flyers and Leafs with the meetup in the assembly room. It's going to be a great time. I'm going to be there. Charlie's going to be there. Kelly's going to be there. PHLY crew is going to be there. And we want to see you. It's also Pearl Jam night, which is uh, big uh, for many people. All right. So that's that. And make sure you see us at the Chicken or the Egg in Marlton on this coming Friday, March 8th, for the trade deadline watch party, 2 to 4 p.m. for our live show. That's it. My name is Bill Matz. For JP Zapata, have a great weekend, Philly. See you guys.